see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got how much more professional does it sound oh my god crazy right this is insane this whole setup's insane it's like a proper radio show does it remind you of surfer magazine days it's way more <laughs> surfer mag was like uh 1950s cold war metal like it was pretty archaic and it probably cost 10 times more, 20 times more. At least. Scott's talking about our brand new podcast audio equipment. Got an interface, got new mics. Yeah, guy. Yo, guy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. I sound kind of high pitched. I can't adjust that. That's on you. (laughs) That's on me, huh? (laughs) There's nothing the interface will do. Yeah, guy. New interface. Welcome, everybody. Spit Podcast. Dave, it's been down end, am I? Fed income, Struth, and, um, that's why we haven't been with you for three weeks. I know. I feel bad. I apologize. And literally today, I think the, the Quicksilver Gold Coast Pro or the Quicksilver Pro Gold Coast or whatever it's called could start. It's going to start while we're recording. Yeah, I think. I think you're right. Yeah. And it might start at Duranba, right? At Deba. I thought that was a April Fool's joke. Really? Maybe it was. Yeah. Oh, it fully got me. <laughs> I think. I mean, it had me thinking about my team, like changing my team. I don't think it was. Okay, maybe it wasn't. I mean, the timing was out. odd. The timing was odd for sure. Because it wasn't April 1st when they sent it out in Australia. It was April 2nd. Yeah, but they know their demos. They know where their audience is. Maybe. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. That's interesting. Yeah. Do you think it's going to be a Duramba or do you think it's going to be a Snapper? I would just assume Snapper and assume that was a joke that, I mean, that's the way I read it from the get go was. Did that come from the WSL or was it? Mm, no, Cause I never really no, saw. It wasn't. And this I morning when I read going. the little press release this morning and it, it didn't mention Duranba. So I hope they don't. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't. I mean, I saw guys surfing over there, but I don't think the WSL put that out. Um, when did you return from, tell me all about your trip to man, Australia. We want so to learn. Much, okay. I'm thrilled to talk about it. Uh, so much to discuss. Absolutely in love with the country. I returned Monday. I was there for three weeks, 20 days, I believe. Um, and it in a very strange way feels more like home to me than Southern California does. And I don't know if Southern California has changed since my childhood and or if I've just kind of changed and both. It, no, yeah, maybe both. Yes to both. I just feel like, um, these are not my people, you know, and certain parts like North County, San Diego feels like my people to a degree, but that's not where I live. But I mean, you go to Australia and it's just like, oh yeah, this is, they're eating the way that I eat in terms of the, the food that you put in your body, you know, like their lifestyle, the leisurely kind of lifestyle is more my lifestyle. Um, a lot less seriousness, you know, just a certain amount or, um, yeah, a certain kind of just, uh, easy ease of life and go with the flow and not super serious. And you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. I don't know how to put it into words. Well, it's interesting, right? I mean, their society, their cultures, uh, 
it's a, I think it's a social democracy, right? So there's not as large of a stratification of the haves and the have-nots. Here, there's a really large stratification, and it's getting much more um, robust and more. Uh, it's easier to see here now. Yeah, more disparate. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's more in your face too. Yeah, than it's ever been. You know, mm-hmm. like you either have a white. Range Rover, or you have a 1992 Toyota Corolla that's got rusted, you know, like there's no like middle yeah, ground. And yeah. I mean, of course I'm exaggerating, but I think there is. You and I are in the middle somewhere, but you're Barely, right. but anyone right. in the middle is barely in the middle and we're trending down. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Whereas in uh, Australia, it's a big, the, the social stratification, it's one big sort of. Working class. Working class population. Like everyone's on the same level. Yep. You know, yep. there might be some one percenters, but you don't see them too much. And they certainly don't. Um, it's not proper in Australian culture to to be better than the rest. It's, it's proper to be one of with everyone else, to yeah. be like with your blokes and your mates and your team and your region and your Queensland and, you know, go, go magpies. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, and if you... Socially, if you poke your head above everyone and go, look at me, I'm bitching, they will strike you down quickly. And not in a a physical way. I mean, it's just you won't feel comfortable about it. You need to come back down with the rest of us and be in the middle class. It's a great way to put it. Yeah. There was also, everybody was really kind. Like the hospitality, I was not expecting. And I've been places in the world, like um, I remember Thailand, like certain parts of Southeast Asia, like genuinely, sincerely, like kind hearted people, not for a tip at the airport. Like I was stuck at an airport one time and the guy came over to like, call me a cab. And I like shrugged him off. Cause I figured he was doing it for a tip or cause he was going to make something out of it or whatever. And in the end he ended up helping me and wouldn't even accept a tip. You know, he's like, no, no, no. Like out of the kindness of his heart. So I've had experiences like that around the world, but I didn't expect it out of Australia for some reason. Um, and they, it was like genuine. It was sincere kind of kindness, you know? And here you go to like McDonald's or whatever and you buy something and they turn the the little point of service thing around, the point of sale monitor I around bet. and they yeah. force you to say, would you like to tip us? Right. You know, right, right, and right. you're like, well, why? Like, what did you do? Yeah. <laughs> Except for your job, which you're, somebody else is paying you for. Exactly. Isn't yeah. that awkward when people do that, when they like have yeah. that, that new Apple Pay thing or whatever it is? All the the whole tipping thing is awkward. Like, or it's uh, it doesn't make sense. People that you would normally want to tip, for some reason, those industries you don't tip in, and then people that it doesn't make sense. Like, you're making my coffee, like you said, you're actually I'm just getting drip coffee, so you're just pouring it and then handing it to me. Why should I tip you? You know? Yeah, and then there's a there's guilt. There's there's like there's um there's guilt that's sort of baked into that too, right? When they flip it around and you're there staring at you. And I'm just like, I literally would go, why am I, like, I just put it right back on them. Like, look, I love tipping people. Why am I supposed to tip you? Hmm. Like, what have you done for me? Wow, What's that, the that makes it awkward <laughs> once you verbalize no, it. No, it's actually because, because when people go, you know what? You probably shouldn't. I go, you know what? I will. But when somebody goes, well, you know, blah, I got a car payment, but it's like, okay, <laughs> me too. You know what the best solution is? Uber. You get out of the car close the door, walk away. And then you get a ping on your phone asking if you want to or not. So then there's no guilt. There's no pressure. It's just, I didn't even know that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And I do at times I don't. And at times I do, depending on exactly 
whether or not they went above and beyond the call of duty. You know? Yeah. Uh, so tell me more about your trip. So did so, you land in Sydney and then you hung out in Sydney, right? Around mm -hmm. Manly or for, wasn't there like a Visla event or something? So Visla was the one who flew me out, um, asked me to interview. They were doing the shaper shack, um, which is on site at the contest venue. They invite all these shapers, everybody. I mean, from Daniel Thompson, Simon Anderson, Darren Hanley, all these people, as well as a bunch of upstart guys too. And uh, everybody in between. And so they're like, will you come out and interview these shapers? I'm like, absolutely. So I'm going to release that like as a podcast series basically. But um, I was like, look, I'm not going to fly out to Australia for five days instead of the surf contest for the duration of my trip, book the ticket a few weeks early. And I'll go visit some friends and industry connections. And then once the word got out that I was going or I spoke about it, a bunch of people reached out and they're just like, oh, if you're coming to my area, you know, you should interview so-and-so and so-and-so. -and -so. so I ended up doing um, the first few days in Byron Bay, stayed with Torrin Martin's mom, had an awesome little guest room situation right near the beach and uh, got a board off Torrin Shaper that I just showed you in the car, the mid-length that he's been riding in that film, um, did you and the mom like watch movies and stuff? Was there like not a lot of interaction? She invited Mrs. me. Robinson. She invited me. Well, zero of that. Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Uh, way to Sully like a perfectly kind gesture. Uh, she invited me to watch a show at one point, which turns out is like a big hit in Australia right now, which is the Bachelorette. Mar it's like that. It's called Married at First Sight, which apparently is a reality show where they marry somebody or a couple that's never met before. Like the first sight is when you're walking down the aisle. Really? Yeah. I did not watch. She couldn't convince me that it was worth watching. Um, but she wanted to sit with you. And you no, no, no. She was being a kind host, but I had obligations every day. That's a crazy thing, dude. Again, you're all due to the podcast. Yeah. The outpour is crazy. You know, like a you're people that an international reach out. star, you're a podcast star in these small pocket communities. You I know? kid, but I don't, I actually, there's some truth to that. It's, it, it's interesting. You are becoming a celeb in very, very small communities around the world. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it, let me ask you this. What do they, does anyone mention the chop hop? Dude, a beach grit commenter. I was walking down the street in Coolangatta. A beach grit commenter happened to be having dinner with his family and he shouted out, he's like, Chop Hop. And I look over and he's like, David? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, dude, I recognize you by your hair. He's like, I'm Twilsy on the beach grit comment section. <laughs> and then we chatted for a bit. So yes. That's funny. Yes. You that was the only time? Uh, that's the only time anybody mentioned the Chop Hop, I believe. Um, somebody did. Yeah. I mean, I had other interactions with people. Um, dude paddled up to me in the water at broken head and introduced himself as a listener. And we just said a really brief hi. And then we got separated by waves. He went in and I didn't see him again, but he met, he emailed me that afternoon. He's like, Hey dude, just wanted to say, appreciate the podcast, blah, blah, blah. And I was uh, hanging out with Sean Doherty those few days. And so I was like, dude, Sean and I are going to dinner tonight. Do you want to join us? He's like, oh, I can't tonight. How about tomorrow night? You want to come over for dinner? So I end up back at this dude's house with his wife. He invited some friends over who are podcast listeners. We had a full on dinner, amazing property um, cool. up in the hills. So lots of fan interactions like that. What was for dinner? Um, his wife is an amazing cook. Lamb. She, no, it was more veggie based. Oh. It was be veggie based. And I think there was fish as the protein, right. but mostly veg based. Um, but really, really they, radical. Uh, 
do these people know you from Surf Splendor and all the work you've done off of this website, not this website, or do they recognize you for both or do they specifically? Like, a lot of, uh, it's a lot of everything. Yeah. You know, some people it's like they listen to everything. Yeah. I met another guy um, at that Visla event. Kevin was his name and he knew of me exclusively through spit, but hasn't listened in years for whatever reason he just got off it, you know, oh, right. but like he recognized me and I think he did reference my haircut. Even, I don't think he said chop hop and we just started rapping and he's like, Oh, I was so angry. Like one time Scott asked you if Tom Carroll's ever surfed in the eddy and you didn't even know I was so disappointed in your surf knowledge. And he like wrote me off, you know, Wow, I know. And then I realized like surfers, surfers are the worst. <laughs> oh dude, I've got an email about surfers are the worst too. You'll appreciate. Um, but so a lot of interactions, with fans. Um, but it all reminds me that like, I think we've entered a new phase in this, the podcast thing where we actually now have a responsibility, you know, like him yeah. saying that to me is like, I know you're like, Oh, you first of all, I can't be accountable for every bit of surf info, but you know what? There's a kernel of truth in that. Like, you're right. I should know that detail or I should at least now, vet my sources when we're telling a story or something, you know, like for a lot of years, it was easy for you and I just to rap because we were the only gig in town and now everyone's got a podcast. Like and, it's ridiculous. Well, there's that. And then additionally, a lot of people are listening and getting their surf information, information from us. And if that is true, I'm sorry then for them. <laughs> we need to actually be held accountable yes. or at least be responsible yes. in the things that we talk about. Yes. Um, and that's yes, not, I have to tear up all my show notes for today <laughs> then, of which I have zero. <laughs> uh, I think it's okay. Like you can still be flippant and you can still be critical, but there needs to be some element of um, analysis with it. And some element of like, you have to obviously be truthful about your stance and all that sort of oh, stuff. Yeah. And you have to vet it. I don't think we weren't ever. I'm, I've always been truthful. Yeah. But a lot of things I would just, I would might um, share my opinion about a story that I heard third hand on Instagram or something like that. And I think we're past that point of. It's interesting, right? It brings up this whole concept of journalism. Are we journalists or are we just two dudes? Like we've always been just kind of meeting halfway and talking. So here's what's sad. We're two dudes meeting halfway who are talking, but the bar for journalism and surfing is so low. And I think that we've inadvertently superseded it oh my God. because people now view us as journalists. People, I get emails from people that are saying like, Hey, you guys are telling the most, whatever hard hitting stories or the most, whatever. And I'm like, Ooh, is that true? Or are you just not reading other sources? Like that can't be true because I'm not actually holding myself to a journalistic standard. Yeah. You know, check this out. Listener email from Australia, New South Wales. Uh, this came through right before I left on the trip. I just thought you guys should know that my wife, Sebastian Toast is her name, had recently had one of her paintings accepted into the finals of Australia's most prestigious landscape art awards, the Glover Prize. The painting is titled Surfers Are the Worst. <laughs> it's a rendering of Tasmania Ship Stern's Bluff. She named the painting after I told her about your podcast, and she often finds herself on the receiving end of me being the worst. So, Surfers, is the, Surfers Are the Worst is now turning into a movement. It's made the leap from beach car parks to art galleries, and dare I say, into politics is the next step. Maybe we could build 
maybe you could build a seawall to keep surfers out and get them to pay for it. Um, so anyways, I'll post images of that art on spitpodcast.com. But he said it won, a, and then he sent me a follow-up email saying it actually won a couple of awards. Too. Oh, good. And there's a bunch of news articles in Australia art websites that say surfers of the world's worst wins this prize. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing a limited run of t-shirts for the boardroom show. Surfers Sur- of the you? worst. Yes. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet, sweet. Did you sell out the uh, dinner, by the way? Almost. Um, I think, well, we have four tickets sold. I think there's three still available. Sweet. Very cool. But since you bring that up, let me... Uh, Segway? Thank you. Into the dinner. An evening with Wayne Lynch. Surfboard and a dinner. So you get an exclusive, intimate dinner with Wayne Lynch, you, and there will be seven other people. There will be live music, a three-course meal, beer, wine, appetizers, and each participant will receive one of the finished shape blanks from round one of the Icons of Foam Tribute to the Masters Shape Off presented by U.S. Blanks. So surfboard and a dinner with Wayne Lynch, Friday, May 3rd. You can get tickets via the boardroomshow.com website. And I think there are f- three or four tickets left. We're only selling seven of these. Cool. Yeah. And you get some other swag from Patagonia wow. and some stuff that Wayne's bringing and a boardroom t-shirt and a hat and stuff. Might be the first ever offering of dinner and a surfboard. Yeah. You know what? It might, might be. Can't think of another. Right. But um, you might need to check your sources because there probably could may have been another Dang we, it. now we need a producer to do all the oh man for us. i know we need to like that guy that joe rogan has where he just yeah. goes jamie jamie that's right <laughs> is it jamie pull that up we need a jamie yeah. um so one of the other ex- vendors or exhibitors at the boardroom show will be need essentials which we always talk about and you can go on their website and buy the product direct and all that sort of stuff but come to the boardroom show to see the actual product live and meet um, rob rob's such rob's a cool best. guy that, you know what i mean like it's just he's just a nice guy to rap with but neat essentials has supported the podcast from i don't know a year and a half two years ago for a long time now early early on and uh the gear is incredible like those are the only trunks i was wearing throughout australia wetsuit top and obviously came back here i've got the four three on and it's killer product it's by the way it's premium product at a lower price than all the competitors. Yeah, cut Black. out all the BS. Cut out all the direct-to-consumer, cut out all the costs that other clothing and wetsuit companies have to yeah. deal with. No hang tags, no logos, all black, all everything. I've been wearing my trunks to yoga regularly. Oh, I love really? them, yeah. Back on the yoga I'm bandwagon? I'm fully involved. Dude, dude. good for I'm you. I'm on a full new health thing. Good I haven't had you. bread in a month. Whoa. How do no you feel? cheese, no dairy, only paleo. How do you Seeds. Feel? I feel great. And I'm you? surfing good. Really? I've lost a bunch of weight. Man. That, Go ahead and say it. I look good. I wasn't going to say it. Your energy level is positive, though. I noticed that. Oh, was it negative before? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? It's more your aura. <laughs> right. You know what? I wear it on my sleeve. If I'm salty, I'm salty. If I'm happy, I'm happy. I don't, I don't hide it. Are you doing Bikram? Yes. Solid. You know that dude was a full-blown rapist, right? It's not really Bikram. It's it's a different form of that. It's called Brigram, and it no way. Yeah, it involves like <laughs> Utah and some, you know. There's a little bit of 
Latter-day Saints stuff. It's called Brigham. Yoga. Are you joking? I am joking. Okay. <laughs> April Fool's, huh? Right. Um, so, I mean, honestly, he was. We told this story. Oh, before. we did. Okay, yeah, you okay, told okay. me about it. I didn't know if Wasn't we did there that like on a, there. a podcast about it yeah. or something? Yeah. 30 for 30, the ESPN yeah. people did a podcast series on him. And like his yoga is legit. And I did it for quite a while as well. Um, and then a lot of the studio owners, because of all the controversy with his bad behavior, have basically just changed the name. Yeah, they cut ties, but they either changed the name change the sequencing a little bit, get around yeah. kind of whatever the contract is, right. but it's like still 90 minutes in 105 degree Rome, you know, yeah, and the pretty gnarly. It's yeah. insane. It's, it is, it's just like the feeling you get when you leave yoga, hot yoga is just euphoric. It's, I don't even, sometimes it's, it's not even euphoric. It's more, it is definitely euphoric. There's moments of euphoric, but it's like something that I'm not going to say what it's like, but it's very similar to, you know, a high. <laughs> I was just going to let it, let it linger. Say it. It's similar to a drug, to a um, substance. Yes. To an opioid. You know what? That's what but I'm talking about. But euphoria. it's good for you. I know. Well, turns out your body has a lot of that, those chemicals in it already. You just yes. need to figure out how to activate. Um, serotonin. What I like about it though, is you always, people are always thinking about like, how do I relax? Like I'm a, I need to go get a massage to relieve the stress. You know, it's like, no, 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 that's not the solution. It'll make you feel good while you're getting your back rubbed for that one hour. But as soon as you walk out, there's not a lot of lingering benefit. What you need is the exact opposite. What you need is to put yourself through the ringer. You need to exhaust yourself and stretch every, I mean, metaphorically and literally yourself. And then you have lasting effect. So it's miserable for the 90 minutes, but once you leave, that's where it starts kicking in and it lasts for two or three days. You know? it's a, the ringer is a great way to put it. Put yourself <laughs> through the ringer. That's what hot yoga is. It's the ringer for sure. Yeah. Like when you ring out your swimsuit, just. Yep. <clears throat> and it's so, awesome. So that your diet, you honestly cannot have a bad diet and go to Bikram. Like you can't eat bread and cheese for lunch and then go to Bikram at three. You'll barf. Right. You know? Yeah. So like it all goes hand in hand. Yeah. You I've been craving real, veg. I've been real. February here, as everyone knows, well, not everyone knows, not all our listeners know, but in California, February was horrid. It was horrible. For it waves. Was, for waves. Yeah. For surfing. It was the worst February I can ever, ever, ever remember. And it was really more like six weeks. It was like the yeah. the back half of January and the all of February and the first, it might've been seven or eight weeks where it was just rainy, cold, dirty, small, crappy, and just hideous. Yep. And because of that, I didn't get any exercise. I know you didn't really probably either. Nope. I didn't surf the entire month. Well, nobody did. The first time I surfed was in Australia. Yeah. And so I got overweight. I got fat. I got bloated. I got, I was, and then I tried to surf like February fir- or like March 1st or whatever it was. I tried to surf when the first sunny day and I couldn't even do it. And I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm too young to give in. And so I just fully made a commitment, full new, new diet, full yoga, prayer and meditation, just changing my scene. You know, Mm. I did a full change. Um, It seems like a, um, I don't know, like a challenge to do or whatever. But when you see the benefits of it, like you are, when you just feel better, it then becomes easy to do. 
Yeah, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, you're like, I don't even want to eat the hamburger or whatever. Like that sounds gross to me because I feel terrible afterwards, you know? Yeah. I'm eating meat, but. Well, whatever. Hey, yeah. The cheese and the bread that comes with it, you know? No it's not cheese, the meat that's. The no problem. bread, no sweets, yeah. no very little sugars. Like I'm not even eating bananas. I'm watching which fruits I take in and I can. Good. Eh. Is it sustainable for a long term? I don't know. You know what? For today, I'm going to do it. Good enough. Good, I know I good can pull mentality. it off. I can pull it off today. Yeah. And tomorrow I'll see yeah. where I'm at. Um, one of the things we talked about prior to uh, my departure was. Devin you getting married? No. Yeah. Off air. <laughs> these listeners don't know this, but David's like, and I'm like, dude, this is what you got to do. First thing I said, what did I say? I go, are you still going out with that girl? And you're like, no, we're not going out anymore. And so I was like, dude, you got to get married when you're over there. And you're like, what? What do you mean? I'm like, just, I guarantee you. When you go over there, be on the lookout for some cool chick and try to hook up and get a relationship going with an Australian girl because you're going to want to live there and move there and be there for the rest of your life. And the best way to do that is meet a cool chick. Yeah. So the answer is, did you meet a cool chick? Are you, are you going to be an Australian citizen? I met a couple of cool chicks. Nothing on the marriage track, though. Any... Any like correspondence that still takes place no. cross continents? No. no, no, nothing along those lines. No cross continental. No, I might have to go back. Um, it's so funny. The way you explained it right now makes a lot of sense. The way that you, I remember you explaining it was just like, hey, go over there and get married. That's exactly like, what I said. While you're there, yeah. just get married. And <laughs> I told you, go over there and get married. Um, I almost got married when I lived there. Really? Thank God I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I was a mess. <laughs> Uh, were you not a mess when you actually got married? Well, I was less of a mess. Oh, okay. I mean, you'd have to ask my wife. I'm still pretty much of a mess. But. <laughs> no, it sounds like this last month you've been cleaning your act up. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we talked about, though, was Devin Howard taking over as longboard tour director. And while I was gone, you actually messaged me. You're like, dude, I'm actually watching the final and it's good. Yeah. The final of the news. Yeah. Event, the first event that they ran. Yeah. So our question at the time that we last recorded was you were questioning the judges in the past. Like, hey, look, I'm not sure the judges really execute the criteria. And like, we're never sure if we should be expecting traditional longboarding out of these guys or modern kind of high performance longboarding. What was your viewpoint from watching the event? Yeah, you know. Um, Congrats, Justin I, Quintel. I, I actually sent a text to Devin. I said, I watched the whole thing. The thing that was really good, the thing that was really cool about it was basically what you just said was that, it really wasn't on the surfers anymore. The surfers had to do what they had to do. And it worked out perfectly because you had a high performance guy in Stevie Sawyer. Yeah. Stevie <clears throat> Sawyer. And you had sort of the traditional classic longboard guy in Justin Kintal. And so that worked out perfectly. Right. And then the waves got so small that they had to move it to the beach break. So it was rights and lefts, mostly lefts at Noosa, which is odd. Mm -hmm. And um, so you have these two goofy foots going at it in these fun little peeling, small summertime, two to three feet of lefts. And we knew what we were getting. We were going to get this guy that's almost sort of frenetic in Steve Sawyer, the way he surfs, like just like bangs out points like Michael Peterson and Bell. It's just like do as many turns as you can do, get up to the nose, do everything possible in the criteria except for the look good part. And then you had Justin Cantal, who was the exact opposite, who was smooth, traditional, looked like something you would see in a longboard movie or something where you're just like, you're, you're appreciative of what you see, right? By the way, Steve Sawyer is a great surfer. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm being you know hypercritical here, but- Current so we, champ. 
current so, world champ. Right. <clears throat> so we have both of these um, sort of different looks. And as I mentioned, it was really on the judges to get it right. You know, like, and you felt like the judges did. Yeah, because, and I felt like it was, I do, I do feel like they got it right. And I also feel like it was probably difficult for the judges to pull away from the way they've been doing things for the past 20 years on the WSL longboard tour, Yeah, which is to not reward the guy that seems like he should get the most points because he's doing the most. And longboarding is not about necessarily doing the most. It's almost about you know, the moments between what you're doing and how you look between the nose ride and the drop knee roundhouse or whatever, you know, like where, where's your style basically. And so I, I just really felt like, first of all, it was, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It was validation for Devin and it was validation for the longboard tour mm. that Justin won it, that the, for sort of the traditional longboarder won it. The guy that adhered to the criteria won it. Right. And the judges got it. And, um, and so I sent Devin a text. I said, congrats, Devin, exciting final stoked to see style flow and grace one out on the WSL. And then I wrote, yeah, my gut feeling is that Steve Sawyer would have won it. It would have felt like nothing really changed if he would have won it. If Steve Sawyer would have won it. He surfs great too, but calculated too disjointed, too chaotic. It didn't look like he was having fun, but rather checking boxes. The judges did a great job. And he said, yeah, it was good. So Awesome. And that's despite a terrible forecast and conditions. Yeah. But I mean, that's kind of the cool thing about longboarding. Like, dude, it was two to three feet. It was totally longboardable. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't matter. It wasn't like we were watching, you know, some six foot four guy from New Zealand versus whoever in two to three. You know what I mean? Like, like I was at Manly. <laughs> Are you six foot four? No, but that's what oh, it that's what like. you were I mean, watching. I mean, it was it wasn't uh, terrible, manly, but it was still beach break, small beach break conditions. Yeah. You know, might well, as well have been Huntington Pier. Huntington Pier is probably better. Dude, the one star that they did there while I was gone was epic. It was like head high running rights on Southside. Oh, at the pier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ja the Jacks Pro or whatever. Yeah, the Jacks. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I got a listener email or DM said WSL posted on Instagram three times about the Noosa contest since it started. And there's been 25 other posts, no live stories, nor daily updates. Justin Quintal, one of my favorite longboarders won the men's division yesterday and they haven't posted anything about it. Hope there's more coverage in the future, especially when there's nothing else going on in the WSL sphere worth watching or talking about. The dead, this dead period of content would have been a great opportunity to grab non-longboard enthusiasm. Oh, that's pretty good criticism. I think that the WSLs, they've been pretty open to criticism. Oh, yeah. And I will say that, and I know I mentioned this, but let me just reiterate, what a great, exciting final it was in that there was tons of waves coming in. Steve Sawyer had the lead of the event halfway through, and it looked like it was over. And Justin Cantal came from behind to win at the end. So all of the elements of good sport yep. uh, competition and um, viewing were there. Yep. Uh, lots of WSL on the inaugural day of the 2019 season. Today. Today, right now. Lots of, uh, I'm looking at the timer, by the way, we've got 20 minutes till it starts. Oh, um, you're, you know that they've given it a green light? No, huh. I don't know that. Okay. But 20 minutes till the call time. Um, the WSL awards happened two nights ago. The Red Bull WSL Airborne event 
starts at Snapper. They're doing a three series, three contest tour this year. The first event is at Snapper. Um, Who's invited to that? Is it so, CT guys or, or is it just Josh Kerr pull from whoever he wants? Both. So yeah. specifically at this event, you've got Yago, Kalani David, Harry Bryant, Finn McGill, Mitch Parkinson, Aaron Kelly, Griffin Colapinto, Matt Miola, Noah Dean, Kale Walsh, Thomas Woods, Jack Freestone, Aton Osborne, Chippa Wilson, Reef Hazelwood, Mikey Wright, and Mateus Hurdy. So it's a mixed bag. But I mean, the, the question for me is like, Gabriel Medina could smoke all those guys. Felipe Toledo, Idolo Ferrer, they'd smoke all those guys. For, I mean, people probably will argue that Chippa Wilson would do something more technical than those guys can, but. That's interesting. I was, cause I was thinking to myself, wow, one of these guys could come out and be like the star of the event. Like, I mean, all of the event, the Gold Coast Pro, like the CT, you know, like. For like, doing the crazy For doing air. some crazy air and just nailing it. And then what you mentioned had me thinking, well, you know what? The winner <clears throat> should go against those four guys you just mentioned, Elo, Gabe, and um, Felipe. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Against the winner. Yeah. So I, I That asked, would be cool because you're right. We're always going to go, yeah, you won, but you didn't have Gabe in your heat. <laughs> or well, you didn't have Elo in your heat. You know, the guy who wins the, the air show. Yeah. What's it called? Airborne? Yeah, Red Bull Airborne. Airborne. Tour. Tour. Air show. Everyone's just going to say it's air show, right? Airborne, airborne tours. Is it just going to go generic like air show? Like everyone's going to go, oh, did you see the air show? Probably. Yeah. Um, I mean, saying airborne doesn't really roll. Does it roll off to your tongue? No. Red Bull airborne? No, it doesn't. But they had to rebrand. Did you see the air event? That's what everyone's going to say. Did, yeah, you but see, did they run the air event today? The air show. The air show is the right the terminology, except that they've used that in the past in a bunch of different iterations. So they're right. trying to brand hard this right. new thing. Right. It's not going to work. To differentiate? Yeah, it's not going to work. Um, my question to Josh Kerr when I interviewed him was what happens when Gabriel does this crazier air in the main event and it negates your entire event, yeah, Exactly, your entire sideshow yeah. is negated when Gabe does a crazier air. That's a great question. What did he say? There's no answer. I mean, it, did you ask him this? Yeah. Yeah. He just, he had no answer. No, I mean, he talked his way through it. He said, you know, they've been, um, unfortunately when, cause that's what happened in France. They right. ran the event in France in crappy conditions. And then Julian Wilson did a crazy backside air that he won the event with. So that's exactly what happened. But he's like, look, we end up getting the crappier conditions without the opportunities and all that sort of stuff. And until we can kind of like prove our own value as this tour and then have standalone events where we go to a specific place in the world where there's just ramps and we're not a sideshow. It's going to be difficult to really do that, you know, to have the highlight of the event. So but this was, whole season is just, it's an no. add on to other events or yeah. are there standalones? No, this okay. is all add on. This is, um, so he's got an uphill battle as yeah, commissioner. Totally. Yeah, totally. And then he also though made an argument, which was more salient, which is, um, some of the techie airs, like what Chippa Wilson might do, wouldn't even get scored in the contest. You know, like if you're doing some sort of a varial maneuver or wrote, like the judges don't even know how to process that for the surf contest. But in the airborne tour, it's still a highlight. That could be actually the best highlight of the event, but it would have gotten a five by the judging criteria of the CT. Okay, so yeah. I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah. It allows people to just go completely off script. Right, in, in the airborne. In the airborne thing. Oh, yeah. we said airborne. <laughs> We've proven ourselves wrong within a minute. Yeah. Usually takes less than that to prove um, us wrong. 
What else happened to you in Sydney? In Australia? So, okay. Did you have any dates with any girls? Dude. What? <laughs> what do you care about that? You need to get married. Move on with your life. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did the Gold Coast in addition <laughs> to Byron. And then I did Sydney at the end. Uh, here's, dude, I got to hang out with everybody. I got to hang out with DHD, got to hang out with JS. Like these guys that we kind of see, it's really interesting. Got to visit the um, robot. We've talked about the robot, the shaping machine robot finishes a board uh-huh. with, um, is DHD on that or JS? DH is having some boards made there. Some oh, channel Island spine techs are being oh, it's made just there. Just a separate facility. It's a separate facility. It's a, it's a business. Yeah. yeah. It's a business. And they call it the robot. I told them they need to brand the robot. I'm like, dude, every good robot has a name in Terminator. The robot has a name <laughs> like in, this is so fascinating. Cause I was just listening to the, Andrew Yang podcast on Rogan and Andrew Yang is running for president. Okay. And his whole thing is AI is coming. It's coming a lot quicker than we realize. Totally. In fact, it's already happening and people's jobs are getting displaced. And the next thing that's going to happen is there's 3 million truckers in the United States who don't realize it's happening, but they're going to be obsolete within 10 years. They're going to be 3 million truckers without jobs and they're pissed. They're going to be pissed. And they're going to try to outlaw robotic truck driving and all this stuff. And it's just amazing that you bring up this concept of robot. Oh yeah. No, I mean, it's happening. There's no fighting it by the way. And life's going to be better. Well, not for those 3 million truckers who all of a sudden are displaced without jobs. I mean, it's kind of like cotton pickers. It's like, yeah, they got rid of, you know, it was a bummer to be a cotton picker in like, you know, 1880 or whatever, but they got rid of them. Or what I mean is for the economy as a whole, it's a good thing. Like there's actually going to be more skilled labor jobs. You know what I mean? Like, it's fine. You get displaced as a trucker, but all of those trucks need a team of engineers, software engineers running all of it, people tracking it, people maintenancing the machine, people to receive the robot when it arrives. If they build the trucks using AI, why wouldn't they be able to service the trucks using AI? In other words- You can, but who's building the AI? Who's the one doing all of that? It's- those are yeah, all but the truck, the truck drivers, not, there's no way the truck drivers are getting no. retrofitted with their um, education to a point where they're going to be coding. Then they're dumb. They need well, to I readjust. Agree. You know what I mean? I'm saying for the economy as but a whole, I, no, I agree. You're replacing menial there's no jobs doubt. There's no doubt. with skilled labor jobs. Yes. What's happening. Right. So you but there's to- going to be, for instance, um, all the call centers are going to, all those, there's like 750,000 jobs in call centers. They're all going to be obsolete. There's going to be 3 million truck drivers, obsolete. Good. There's going to be, you know, an interesting one is radiology. Apparently med students are running away from radiology, realizing that AI does radiology better. They can, AI can sense gray areas. and AI does everything better, dude. AI drives those trucks better. You know what the failure rate for humans driving vehicles is? It's a lot. Pretty significant. Yeah. (laughs) It's giant, actually. Plus they can daisy chain those trucks. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And of course they can drive 24 yep. seven right now. federal law means 14 hours only. So anyway, robots, we were so going Kenner, down the, the sidetrack. The, the Kenner road robot, you know, I mean like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, there's what a lot would of, you name it. Let's make a name for it since they're not smart enough to name their the Kinnabot 3000. It's called the Kinnabot road is the road it's on. Kinnabot road is the Kenna. name of the business. K I N A R O A D Kinnabot road. 
When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Oh, it's not on Kenna Road. It's just called Kenna Road. No, it's not on Kenna Road. Uh, so the Kinnabot 3000 jumped out Why at not me. I call it Kenny. I like it. That's even better. I was going to go. Kenny. Yeah. I'm going to go visit Kenny. Kenny. Kenny's finishing my board. Yep. I'm bringing Kenny a 12 pack. Kenny sounds like <laughs> a, a, like a grumpy laminator anyways. It does. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to bring Kenny a 12 pack of, uh, oil WD 40. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to bring him some two. He's new, but now I'm going to bring him some oil. <laughs> uh, so it's interesting. Like these guys are legit. Like the business is super well funded. Um, the way that they're kind of managing the business and structuring the business in terms of like, there's no piecemeal work. It's all full-time employees getting paid a fair wage with benefits and that sort of thing. Their whole concept was, keeping manufacturing domestic. So we are able to um, replicate, if you want a board made in a specific model with a lot of units of that model, we're able to replicate that for you and without you having to outsource manufacturing. So if you wanted to do high volume of a specific thing, of economical option for you would have been to outsource, but there's all this lag time in regard to that. And there's also, you know, questionable, environmental concerns when things are manufactured in other places that we don't know regulatory standards of blah, blah, blah. So he's like, this model allows us to hit the numbers domestically, employ people domestically, skilled labor, by the way, and um, pay them a fair wage and then reduce turnaround times. Like you don't have to worry about containers coming from across the ocean. We're, we're just going to do it all for you within a week, you know? Cool. So it's a great business. I've, again, I'll post the full interview eventually within the next month or two. Um, the implications, I mean, their business is interesting. The implications for it, for the industry as a whole, I think are more interesting as these things, as the cost comes down for these machines. Talk to somebody else a smaller local board builder who actually bought a machine from BMW, um, a robot from BMW in Germany for cheap, you know, like the same robot. It's a different robot, but, but they finishes pimped, a board. They pimped it out. So they got the robot then kind of added on a couple of things and l figured out some new additions with the software, pimped it out to where it's operating like the actual, this other robot that I'm talking about finishing boards, 
they can program it to route fin boxes. They haven't yet, but they could just add that into the programming and it's cheaper. That's the point is it's cheaper. These car manufacturers, they get rid of these things because they upgrade pretty regularly and there's not really a gray market for robots. You know, right. for that type of a robot. I'm going to get a robot. Why not? You Brush know? my teeth. <laughs> um, what else was interesting was talking about the opportunity to automate laminating and sanding on the back end. This is so fascinating it's all that doable. you're bringing this up because of this podcast I was just listening to. It's all doable, dude. Like I want to kind of stick my heels in the ground and be that entrenched this is wrong. You know, like what about, what about, you know, Wally, the Sander in Santa Cruz or whatever. Wally is the name of a robot in a Disney movie, by the way. Oh, Wally. I don't watch Disney movies. Sorry. Anyway. Well, I mean, so th there's jobs being displaced by this thing, but savings come to you, the end consumer. Right? I don't think there's jobs being displaced. I don't think that's a real argument. Okay. I think that it's just reallocating so what is the jobs. Fin box the Sander guy do now that he doesn't have a job because of Wally and Kenny. Um, I don't know the Sander guy. I mean, that's not here yet. The Sander portion of it. I do again, think that it repurposes jobs. You know, you just learn a different task and it's usually a skilled task here, here by the way, like I'm what? not, I'm not, I'm not advocating for the robot by the way. Well, for in the robots example, for Kenner Road, you can't go back. Software <laughs> engineers—they have three yeah, three full-time engineers on staff. I'm, I I get that, but I'm just telling you, Wally the Sander isn't <laughs> going to become a software engineer. He's uh, going to be suicidal. That he doesn't have a job. He can't. He has no mission in life. He gets no I productivity. Think, he feels like crap. He can't pay the bills. Yes. The so the this robot, are the concerns that Andrew Yang brought up. The, By the way. Andrew Yang has this thing called universal supplemental income where every single United States citizen gets $1,000 a month, no matter what you just get a thousand bucks. Everybody gets a thousand bucks a month guaranteed. And it's on the backs of the Amazons and all these corporations that are by the, because this, as you just mentioned, these, this robotic, uh, I guess it's a revolution, but this AI that's happening now, right? You're laughing like you've asked couldn't come up with a good No, word. because it's a funny, it's like a movie concept. They've been, they've made movies about this. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm reiterating. Yeah, yeah. But I lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, thousand dollars a month. Oh yeah, so bad Amazon's, Amazon's gonna supplement it. And the idea being is a dividend check because you are a part of America. You're, you're a stakeholder in America. These are American corporations. And as a stakeholder in America, somebody who pours money into the economy, who has a mortgage, who has a family, who's sending kids to wherever, you know, like it's doing. I don't the like deal. it. I didn't, I'm not asking you to like it or not. I'm telling like you it. what Andrew Yang, I'm not a fan. No, but here's the I thing. Just want you to, Andrew. Oh, by the way. I am, I am a taxpayer, so I should get the thousand bucks. You do. But there's a bunch of other people who don't pay their taxes and they completely take advantage of the system. Why are they getting a thousand bucks too? Why do you care about them? Because All of a sudden you care about them? Why not let them have a thousand bucks? It's not your thousand oh, dude, bucks. Giving somebody a thousand bucks for doing nothing does not do them a favor. Period. Sure it only, does. No, it doesn't. Let's say you got an extra thousand bucks a month. What would you do with it? Uh, I mean, my first thought is I would just stock it away. Like I don't need it. I mean, I, I, would, I would absolutely love to have it and I would save it because I'm and living without it now. What and would you do with it? Income. Save it. 
I mean, after you saved it. Buy property eventually. Okay. So you're you're yeah. investing in the economy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What do you think Joe Blow, who doesn't have a job, does with his thousand bucks? Well, considering that he hasn't gotten a job. And Maybe, by the way, he might have a job. This isn't, this is just for everybody. Like, I know. And I'm telling you that there's people who will only ever bilk the system and only ever look for handouts from anybody who's willing to give them and take advantage. Sure. And I don't think it's doing them any favor at all. And I think they're actually hurting everybody else. But what are they so going to do with the thousand dollars that they get? Let's say they buy a thousand dollars worth of lottery idea. tickets. Sure. Yes. That's okay, probably they're, they're putting money into the economy. They just poured a thousand bucks into the economy. No. Yeah. No. By the way, I'm not doing Andrew Yang justice. Right, right, Anyone right. listening to this, I'm butchering it and he would be cringing if he heard me saying this. So you should listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. I think it was in February with Andrew Yang. He does a much better job of explaining his point of view. This isn't Scott's point of view. I actually kind of lean more towards where you're talking. I just, I just don't think a gift, but I find it fascinating because he started talking about AI and the displacement of jobs. And that's where we are with Kenny and Wally, the other guy, (laughs) Kenny and Wally, the two robots. Um, so by the way, the other detail about this robot thing is you're asking where Wally's job goes. The robots don't replace all of surfboard building. So the robots only really exist, like the robots because of economics can only exist for mass produced, kind of a commodity right. surfboard, you know? Yeah, so the craftsman so board, there's still work. The And by the way, it's a larger market. Like we were talking about yeah. with the middle class, the yeah. middle class kind of goes away. Like the the commodity surfboard, let's call it, which is a widget. Clear. Mainly right now they're thruster, pointy shortboard thrusters. They're good for four months, maybe six months. Those things, the biggest manufacturers of them will continue to thrive because the largest part of the market wants those. And then on the other end, the guy's making thousand dollar surfboards that are beautiful to look at and also surf really well and they'll last for a lifetime. And and they're very custom, yeah. Very custom those things are going to continue to thrive as well. Right. The guy who's trying to get by making pointy thrusters at a, you know, trying to make a thousand of them a year or 500 of them a year, isn't going to be able to compete anymore. Right. right. Um, because there's customization isn't as important in that line and all that sort of stuff. So Kenny, I'm saying that it opens up room for skilled labor. Well, turns out if I'm sorry, Wally, the laminator or the sander is the best at his job, skilled labor, then he goes to work for the $1,000 surfboard manufacturer. The guy who, you know, isn't very good at laminating or sanding, he's out of a job. And yeah. he's the guy who actually Commit is, is going <laughs> to be questioning his life's choices. Oh, man. So Brutal. I, I, the robot thing, it's like, it feels like doom and gloom for a lot of people. I don't think it is. I think that the robots can often do things better than the humans, but they don't replace all the humans anyways. Like the, the some, skilled quality humans will still find work in their chosen field. Yeah. I think. Well, they'll have to rechoose a field. They'll have to become or, electricians. I, I mean, truck, There's a lot of yeah. AI stuff that won't ever touch certain segments of, of, you know, the, the job market podcasting. Like, right. No, seriously. There's no yeah, way no. anyone could AI a podcast or plumbing or, electricians or things where you have to go into someone's house and diagnose and fix it. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And so you can charge a premium for that. Yeah. Or they'll use a drone to look at the roof instead of climbing up there. They'll implement versions of robots in their work. But it's fascinating in a, in a, 
in a sad way, the displacement of work that's about to happen. And, and that, frankly, has been happening for the past 20 years, probably. Oh, and really, since, since the Industrial, industrial Revolution. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, <laughs> but, but on a much deeper level because of AI. Like in the Industrial Revolution, they're like, well, we do need a customer service person to answer the phone. Well, now you don't. Yeah. Because apparently they're going to, it's going to be, By those the way, call centers are going to be insane, like in a good way. Try to even find a phone number to call Airbnb or PayPal. They don't have them. You cannot find somebody to call in those modern organizations. You know what I mean? They're just like, screw you. No, it's like no, yeah. we've we've done yeah. such a thorough job answering your questions on our website. Yeah. You can open up a chat maybe, or you can send an email and we'll, re we'll respond in 24 hours. But you don't need to talk to anybody. So did you interview the owners of Kenny? Does Kenny yeah. own them or does... Does he own? I interviewed the guy Kenny? that runs the. I interviewed the guy that runs the business. Interesting. So uh, Scotty is his name. And were there people? Were there board builders that were like scoffing at Kenny? Yeah, I bet. of course, of course. And were they, were they, craftsman types that were making high end fishes in Byron Bay? No, those guys don't view it as a threat to their business. You know, right. like so who they, was it that was scoffing at it? I, you know, I don't. I didn't talk to anybody who's scoffing at him. I think the general public just has negative kind right. of, it's bad optics. Exactly. You say robot and it's just bad optics, exactly. you know, but when you really talk if to, you just said Kenny, you'd be fine. People would be exactly. like, Oh, Kenny. Exactly. <laughs> um, again, you know, when, um, you ask the optics on outsourced manufacturing and surfboards, everybody's like, Oh yeah. Boards made in Asia. They suck or whatever. You talk to a lot of board builders. I talk to a lot of board builders. Is anybody really worried about those boards? Like, I, well, the, the last boardroom, the one that we just put up with Clyde Beatty. Yeah, you know, Clyde was. Did you listen to it? Do you know no. who Clyde Beatty is? No. Okay, Clyde was the first guy to go overseas, and he was like skewered on social media back, you know, in like two thousand and two or whatever, when the internet first came out, and it was like all of a sudden people realized that they could just chime in and call people names and get and. Clyde was the first board builder, not the first, but the first like known one to go over to Asia and set up production facilities for all sorts of surfboard companies that are, you know, that well-known ones that we know now that I'm not going to name names because whatever, but so Clyde, the boardroom podcast that we just put out talks about this kind of in depth. What is his, his, his view is, Hey man, I can't beat him. Join him. It's a world economy, dude. And if you think that and by the way, why fight it? Why not like embrace it? Why not be friends with everybody? Why, why, why create enemies when I can create friends doing this? You yeah. know? And he's got a pretty, and he's a wonderful guy and he's just got a really good take on. Well, so my question, maybe he answered this. My thing isn't, I'm not anti outsourcing. Like I understand the economics of, and if we're going to transition our business and grow our business as a whole, like you need to consider things, you know, better economic models. My concern is more what's happening. We don't know their regulatory standards in that country, whatever the country is. So what is, what does their waste disposal look like? What does their employee treatment look like? You know, and that's where I then have a moral choice as a consumer to where, look, if you guys are just burning all your trash in the back of the factory, then I would rather not support that. Or if you are underpaying your laborers to where they can't make a living wage, whatever the wage is for that country, then I can't support that. It brings up a lot of hypocrisy on, on a bunch of different fronts, right? Because 
I mean, our president's trying to open up offshore oil drilling in Santa Barbara Channel. You know, like, it's, and so, like, why not let's focus on that instead of, like, some guy in Thailand burning trash in his backyard? You know what I mean? Like, well, we can focus on that, too. That, I mean, and but I almost feel like I can't affect that as much as I can affect where I'm spending my money to buy my next surfboard. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying that any of the factories that we know of are even doing those things. I'm saying I can't vet it out where I can go to my local shaper, have a conversation with him, see how he runs his business. And I feel good about spending my money there. You know, like that's the only difference for me personally. Yeah. Um, so I don't vilify the outsource thing as a business model at all. I just kind of want to understand the fundamentals of the way that they run their business. Maybe that's where I kind of feel the rub personally. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Fair enough. Yeah. Good for you. Um, yeah, thanks. Feel better about yourself? Um, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Feel a little bit better getting it out there. What else did you do in Australia? Did you eat a meat pie? Yeah, lots of meat pies. Did you wear dude. a Trump hat? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been big so, if hey, you would have brought a Trump hat. Hey. Um, that wouldn't so, have gone over too good, I bet. So talking about the Visla event yes. at Manly, last thing I want to do is spend five or six days at a surf contest, right? Like, it's just not that interesting to me. So I wasn't looking forward necessarily to that, doing that. Turns out it was the best part of the trip. Like I had so much fun. Um, I think it's partially like that crew of guys does a good job of running the event, like with having the shaper shack there and all these shapers coming in. Um, And also the way that, the city is laid out like we had an apartment right across the street. So you can kind of get out of the heat and go. And then the VIP booth food, uh, not air conditioning, but it's a lot cooler in there. You can kind of get out of the sun having peaks up and down the beach, being able to surf midday in the midst of it all. Like all of it turned out to just be a super fun, all the social events in the evening surrounding it. It was just like this ongoing party with all your friends. It was super fun. I feel like for whatever reason, when I go to events in the U S I don't even fit in there. Like, I feel like I have some industry connections and for, I feel like an outsider at this event, you know, and I'm not, and I don't really have access to certain parts of the VIP thing. So it makes me feel like an outsider. Then all the people attending the event, definitely. I don't fit in with those people. So at home at surf industry, you mean like the U S open? Yeah. Uh Yeah. Or even the lowers event to a certain extent, you know? So even at home at certain events, I feel like an outsider for yeah. some reason at this event, I felt like, Oh, we're all. And that has a community. lot to do with what we talked about at the beginning of the program, which is the social stratification of yes, Australia versus so the social, str- like here it's like, Oh, you're not cool enough to be in the Hurley VIP thing. So uh, I'll totally. spit on you. Totally. You dog get totally. Whereas in Australia, it's like, yeah, mate, get me away. Yeah, come on, let's go. Uh, you know, yeah. everyone's happy and, and they're all, the, they're all the same. Everyone's yeah. in the middle. Yep. Yeah. It was enjoy- it was super enjoyable actually. Um, Slater was there, obviously, which is interesting to see. Full blown paparazzi status, dude. Like, oh yeah. I mean, obviously, Australia in Australia, surfing's a bigger um, sport yes. than it is here. You know, it's like an actual national sport, dude. You got paparazzi chasing him from his car to his hotel, and he's on the morning news. Like, he's it's crazy. Yeah, it's really crazy. Yeah, it's over the top. It's like Tom Brady here. Yeah. Exactly. You know why he did that event? Yes. Why? Because he's tuning up for the Olympics. No. No. He did it because 
I don't know. That was my answer. I thought that's why. That's kind of what was thrown out there and by the media and everybody. Okay, fill me in. He got paid an appearance fee. Oh, yeah. I did I did see something about that yeah. too. So that's but, an interesting notion. Yeah. It's and by the way, it's a good business decision. How much? I don't know. I don't know the number. I bet. What do you think the number? So that means that Paul nod. No, no. I think it was surfing Australia oh. or surfing New South Wales probably funded. It. I, I don't know, by the way. So um, what do you think it was? How much is Kelly Slater's six appearance? Figures. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So 250 or a hundred grand? I don't know. Let's say a hundred grand. I don't know, but yeah. I don't think it's 250. Yeah. hundred grand sounds more like it. So here's why it's worth it. Right. When somebody mentioned, like I was, I didn't think he would show up first of all, like you're going to come surf a six star. You didn't go to almost any of the events last year because of the injury. Like um, he's known to withdraw from Brazil, even when he's not injured, you know, why is he going to want to go surf some crappy beach break somewhere, wherever it is. And then, it was announced that he was coming and I'm like, yeah, but he probably won't show up. And then everybody's like, no, 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 he's showing up. So then I heard rumors like, oh no, no, he's getting paid an appearance fee from the government, you know, whatever. So I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense, but what's the number? And then is it worth it for him to even do it for that number? And then is it worth it for the person paying? And then you see the public hullabaloo and you realize it's totally, totally worth it. Yep. He's on every single news show yep. and probably in that appearance fee, I'm sure that he has media allocated time, you know, like you got to do a certain amount of obligations. Yeah. You got to hang out in the VIP area for an hour every day or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But when you see the crowd that it attracts and then all of the media that they generate from it, and then all those people come down to the beach from like, it makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah. And then he goes out and he loses round two, but he hangs out for the next four days and does, he spends time in the commentators booth and all of it. And it's like, it made the whole event better. It made the, a buzz around the entire event to where I was like, you know what? It's actually really rad. Like good, good on surfing Australia or whoever paid the bill to even yeah. do it. And then good on him for honoring the obligation because it's good for me to be exposed to Kelly. It's good for the general public to be exposed to Kelly. It was good to see him surf the event, even if he lost round two, you know, still good. It makes me think, I, I, I want to say at one of the U.S. Opens, that Bob Hurley paid Kelly some money as an appearance fee. Now I know that back then, if you were on the CT, you had to surf in like three QS events. You were, I think it you was were two, obligated and to. one of them was had to be domestic for yeah. your country that you lived in. Or you got fined or yeah. something, or you got docked points or yeah. something that was penal. Right. And, but I want to say that Kelly was, Kelly would be like, I don't care. Just take how much do I need to, I'll write you a check. I just don't want to be at the U S open. Right. <laughs> you know, like he would just take would. the fine, but yeah. I, I want to say that, and I could be wrong. And this is where we got into this whole journalism thing, but for whatever reason, I want to think that, that Hurley might've paid Kelly one time to show up that one year when it was pumping the, maybe the first year Brett Simpson won yeah, against McFanning. And it was, it was massive, right? Big yeah. South swell. And I think Kelly got a backside barrel. That was like a 10. He like, might have. Yeah, it was like a closeout that he took off on and somehow made. For whatever reason, I'm thinking, I could be wrong. I mean, here, that does I, ring a bell. I want to say that I think he got an appearance fee. Yeah, it does ring a bell. It, um, it kind of, I mean, I'm almost apprehensive to even talk about it on air because it makes, uh, makes me sad that surfing's grown to a point where appearance fees are the impetus for people to go to a surf event. But yeah. it also makes me happy. It's like, oh, yeah, good for cares. them. Good I, for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't really affect you. 
No, I guess it doesn't. That's the beauty of surfing is we get to go surfing. After we talk about it, we can realize, you know what? None of it really matters. I'm just going to go. The waves look fun. I'm going to go surfing. Yeah. It's just going to be me, the ocean, a few dolphins. I might stub my toe on the way down there. I'm probably going to, you know, water's going to come out of my nose later. I'm going to be hungry. I'm going to feel really good. I'm going to get some vitamin D from the sun. None of that has anything to do with Kelly Slater at Manly. Nope. And that's the beauty. Nope. It's all wrapped up in one big thing. We got the sport, we got the lifestyle, we got our own personal experience with surfing. It's great. Mm. This sounds exactly like what our friend um, at the WSLs, we had, when you were gone, so the WSL called us all up for a meeting. You know, like Stab, you were probably invited, Dave yeah. Pronan invited you. Um, and, I can't believe I'm having a brain fart on the guy's name right now. Eric Logan. Thank you, Elo. Elo. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Eric. Anyway, Elo basically made a pitch. I'm going to tell you really right now what happened, unless you don't want to know. I was going to ask you. I'm dying to know. So he brought up Stab and Surfer and Surfline and me and some other people, and, and you were supposed to be there. Noticeably absent was Beach Grit. And... Um, and he basically was, it was kind of like glass-nosed, you know? It was like, it's a new WSL. We have open arms. We want to welcome you. We want you to be a part of us. We want to be a part of you. We realize that there are voices out there that speak certain parts of this surfing lifestyle, this whole thing that is surfing better than we do. You know, it was very much like, we want to be in the business of saying yes to you guys instead of saying no. If you need footage from events, we want to be able to say yes. If you want to partner with us, we want to say yes. If you have an idea, um, you know, and then they brought in this WSL studios thing, which is, he showed examples of some things that they're doing where here's one that's in-house only, but in-house only costs us a lot of money, but we've done this one that's in-house only. Here's one that's a partnership. This guy came to us with a great idea. We said, this is a great idea. We want to be involved. So we teamed up and we're involved. And then there are some things where we just simply aren't good enough to be involved in at all, but we want to be a part of it. So we'll partner with it. So there's these like three different levels of WSL studios. And so the basic thing was glass-nosed, welcoming. We want, we, it's a new WSL this year. We're here for you. You're, you're here for us. Let's work together. Yep. Let's not operate in isolation. Yeah. And um, it was it was refreshing. It was really cool. But the best thing out of this whole thing is they showed one of these partnerships that they're doing. And it's a video called Brazilian Storm. And this Brazilian guy has been videoing Gabe and Idolo and Adriano and all of the guys, all the Brazilian guys about the Brazilian Storm. And he brought it to the WSL. And he went, hey, what do you guys think? And Eric Logan and those guys go, this is awesome. We want, let's do this together, you know? And it's the gnarliest, it's the best thing that I've, it's going to be so good for you and I, first of all, as commentators, because it is literally camera on face of Gabe Medina just going, you know, basically we're the best. We've been the best. We're going to be the best. You guys, the rest of you guys are lame. And I'm paraphrasing. I might be going over the top a little bit right now, but it's basically the Brazilian storm going, damn right. We're here. We're not leaving. This storm is hanging out. And we, and it's just, it's going to be so great for nationalism, for rivalries. And I'm just licking my chops. I can't wait till they unload this thing on the public. Is it, um, 
going to be like a behind the scenes traveling with those guys on tour. No, it's, yeah. It's some or of is that. It him just looking into a camera. It's all the Brazilian. It's all the Brazilian guys going, we're the best deal with it. Deal with it. Okay. But what <laughs> that's basically it in a nutshell, them just looking into a camera saying, we're the well, best. No, it, and follow, then, it, follow, it follows the journey of the Brazilian storm okay. from like 2012. Oh, okay. So it's a documentary. Type yeah. It's thing. a documentary gotcha, following gotcha, gotcha. them all, but it's basically, uh, you know, waving that Brazilian yeah. flag on the beach. Like you've never seen it waved in your face before. It's just, they're sticking yeah, that good. flag up your nose good. and they're waving it in. It's in your nostril and they're like shaking your chop up. I love it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. No, it's going to be so good because it's going to call out the, all the other surfers, the Hawaiians, doesn't do it directly, but it indirectly calls out everyone else. And is like, where's your game, man? Because we right. all have game. Yeah, they're right. I know. That's what's they're so great about right. it. right. So all the soft, you know, I'm not going to name names, but we know who they are. The guys that have been given everything they could ever want at age 12 and now don't understand why they don't have a world title. Yeah. Because they didn't earn it. Yeah. So Long Tom wrote a piece on Beach Grit um, called, Is the White Bread Era of Sur Pro Surfing Over? It is. So it is okay until, until we get pissed off enough to take it back. Yeah. We it's being well, first, so no, the Hawaiian Zeke Lau needs to step up. So it's really interesting to look at. Um, he was kind of basing his analysis on this edit that Chloe and Dino put out called Homish. And he said, quote, brother surfed pretty sharp in Homish, but five years behind the top Brazilian cohort for speed, repertoire, innovation, Chloe and pals look in their dotage compared to Idolo Felipe shaded by power and the brutality of Baroque turns by Gabriel. So it's all correct. Like Chloe looks like a lesser version than Felipe, to be honest, like Felipe is Chloe 2.0, you know, because Chloe was on the scene first, but this only really applies in competitive surfing. Like, can you name a free, a professional free surfer from Brazil? No. Yeah. Me neither. And I don't want to. And, <laughs> but it's like, it doesn't exist. So well, like those no, guys I can actually Gabe Medina, Idola Ferrar and th but Philippe Toledo. They don't, I mean, they don't even really put out edits in the way that free surfers do or Chloe and Dino does, right. you know, or they'll put out like a clip on Instagram that they filmed, but not like a proper produced edit. Like Griffin Colapinto did multiple times this last year. So I agree with that Brazilian storm thing, but it's only if you're looking at surfing through this one specific microscope, which by the way, how much of surf culture does competitive surfing account for? Well, I agree. I mean, this is actually the bigger- 5%? No, this is the bigger Less question. Less than 5%? I don't know what the percentage is, but the bigger question is- if the Brazilian storm is calling out the rest of them and the rest of them don't step up, but it doesn't matter because Hurley's still selling a ton of shit because of Rob Machado and Kaloi Andino and Kai Lenny. Kai Lenny and John, John decided to become it's, a sailor instead of, yeah, yeah, it's not good. It's not good for, for pro surfing. Well, that's still pro surfing. It's not good for competitive surfing. Yeah. It's not good for claiming for right. claiming world champions. Right. It's yeah. just not good. Like it, it's a big drop off. Like eventually it's like, yeah, I don't, I well, just turn into a Brazilian tour. Yeah. But I mean, we've always, we've why always, would, why would Hurley push their guys to win a world title when they're selling tons of product foiling on Maui? Yeah. I think the, they look at it as 
Well, there's still relevance to a world title, but it's not the end all be all. Well, it's never been that, but I mean, I exactly. think, I think it's going to shrink even more. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, that's where, um, yeah, I don't know the, the, the flat waving of the flag in the face and all that is so, um, South American. No, I, I mean, it's so unappealing to me. Like I'm, I'm all for it in terms of like, I want the competitors to, um, definitely wear their heart on their sleeve. And I think that Americans need to have a lot more grit and hard work and actually want to kill their opponent. Like that is gone and we need that. But in terms of like people I want to actually hang out with and spend time with. And like when I'm making a character assessment of the guy, like, Oh dude. Yeah. I don't want to be no, that no. guy. We need I, more, don't, we I want need... to look at those guys compete in the water, but I so don't want to be that right. guy. And I would never model my surfing after that guy. Right. We need more Richie Collinses, but we don't want to be Richie Collins or hang Heck out no. with him. Heck no. But I mean, he, I only had, wanted... he had some drive though. Yeah, it's great. It's great to watch in a competitive environment, but that is not my surfing experience. Right. I just want to watch it for a little while every other month or ev once a month for three days. I want to watch that and be entertained by it. But it, it, again, it represents 5% of my surf world. No, I look, I totally get that. But right now we're talking about the WSL. We're not talking about, you know, you so, waxing up at Huntington beach and getting, you know, dealing with tar in your wax or whatever the hell you have to deal with up there. It is tar. having a, that is bull, my main <laughs> having a pit bull attack you while you're waxing your board. <laughs> Or just being like hung over from so many craft beers on Main Street, you don't know what to do with yourself. Or waking up with a tattoo on your face from the local par tattoo parlor. The sad thing is these are all true stories that have happened to me. <laughs> We're talking about pro surfing and what the Brazilian storm is going to do. Competitive surfing. Competitive surfing. Professional surfing. Competitive surfing. There's professional surfing exists outside of the competitive no, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Where, where? Is Kai Lenny not a professional surfer? No, he's a free surfer. He makes $4 million a year surfing. Oh, yeah, I guess he's a professional. Um, All right. And I don't know that four is the number, actually. Vernacular. I think, I think it's two. You better do some research. I know. Dang it. Failed on my journalistic. Anyway, <laughs> the Brazilian um, Storm thing, no, no, this no, no. movie that's coming out, you're going to be psyched on it. Because so, it's going to, it, especially, I think, when the tour goes to Hawaii, I bet it rankles some people. Because yeah. I think there's still competitive fire in the Hawaiian surfers. I've given up on North American surfers. Name one <laughs> Name, that I could give a shit about. So that's He's what Japanese. I was say. Yeah, the only guy I care about is Japanese. He traded flags. Um, and Kelly, but Kelly's out. Who else do I care about? Like, Kelly who, just shows up for an appearance fee. I care about Zeke Lau. I care about Seth Moniz. Like, at least I see fire in those guys. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, I, and I sense that... They'll throw their board down like Andy Irons and punch Mick Campbell underneath a shower. You know what I mean? Or the other way around. I guess yeah, Mick, pun way. Mick punched Andy. But It was weird to see Andy like not fight back. <laughs> he was caught off guard. He I was. Think. He was. He but was still, you can't just let somebody punch you. Well, Mick Campbell's a freaking gnarly dude. Like he comes from a gnarly part of Australia and he's just a... But he wasn't like he was going to... No, but he's a scrapper. He's like an Irish terrier. He's like a... That guy's going to bite. Yeah. And bite hard and not yeah. ever give up. He's going to yeah. hold on. I, I still think Andy should have thrown a punch. So who do we root for? So that's a great question. Even if you could root for Griffin Colapinto or Chloe Andino as a Californian. I, I can root for Griffin. Even if you could, who's coming up the ranks? Name a guy. All the guys I'm going to name, I just want to call them out and go, where are you? Where are you, Jake, Jake Marshall? Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I love Jake. Mar That's the thing. I love these guys. Like, of I'm, course. I'm not calling them out go? personally. I want to know why you're not frigging on the CT winning events and telling those guys to stuff that Brazilian flag up their ass. I know. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And then there's Huntington and pit bulls and you waxing your board, the other side of the equation. Um, I do see a lot of youth coming out of Australia though. Oh, I bet. Like, like so Australia. But they're not Americans. Exactly. Yeah. No, like they have number one, a little bit more, um, less access to the industry. Maybe like they don't have all the youth, the support of the youth they do in certain examples, get a lot of support, but there's a lot of people coming from lesser known regions that don't have six figure contracts when they're 16 years old. So they actually have to develop the grit to work for it. Like they do in Brazil. Um, and then they also just have the infrastructure with the surf clubs and the contest circuits and all that sort of stuff to kind of give you some of the training that you need to compete on the world level. So I think there's a lot of hopefuls out of Australia. I think the WSL needs to do some kind of campaign or some something where they explain, where they push the concept of how important it is to one's career to be a world champion. You know, like if you ask, you know, MR or Sean Thompson or any of the world champions, how important it is to be a world champion. Is it as important anymore though? Well, that's not my point. What I'm saying is they need to campaign. They need a PR campaign. To reinstate, reinstate it. Yeah. Like if you ask Rabbit Bartholomew, he's like, that was the most important thing yeah. is to be the number one competitive surfer in the world. Right. Or Michael Peterson or. Well, he wasn't working, but you know what I mean? Like there's that competitive fire, you know, like, yeah. and, and now it's like, eh, you know what? I'm sponsored by Hurley. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. And it's kind of like, okay, well, and then why does the 12 or 15 year old kid down at the beach? Why is he okay with that? Why is he okay with? Cause he got more views on Instagram than the right. guy who's at the contest. There needs to be an effort put out there a PR campaign, whatever you want to call it under the ray. It can't be like over the top. It's got to be kind of understated, but it's got to be like, Hey, do you remember, you know, Bryce Ellis? No, no, you don't. Cause he was never world champion, but he tried for 20 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's gotta be some sort of campaign. Who do you remember? You remember the world champions. Yeah. A couple of second placers too. Yeah. Rob Machado is still on my radar. Yeah. Um, Brad Gerlock. Yeah. Shane totally, Horan. Totally. Who else do you, who else? What other second placers come to mind? Any other second placers? Seriously, like quickly. Can Shane Bashan. I don't know that he ever maybe. finished second on tour. So you don't even know. So he finished second in contests. Well, pff, no shit. <laughs> um, I don't know, dude, you want to know who my Duke is that fits perfectly in with this conversation? Torin Martin. Ja Jadson Andre. <laughs> I love that guy. Everyone loves that guy. I mean, that guy has won my heart over. I mean, the ugliest, funkiest style of surfing ever. And yet completely won me over despite that. Like his, first of all, going back before my experience with him at Manly. What uh, happened at Manly? You can't, well, no, just witnessing okay. him live, you okay. know, witnessing the phenomenon live. He's a phenomenon? Yes. So prior, <laughs> prior to that, Yes. He has constantly, repeatedly requalified yeah. at the last possible moment. And I'm meaning like at sunset, having to make it to the semifinals, 
somehow making it to the semifinals, then having to like get an eight point ride with 30 seconds left and a wave coming to him and him delivering on the goods. He's done that repeatedly. He's fallen off tour repeatedly. He's gotten back on tour repeatedly through that exact method. He's come back from injury. He's won events with that method. It's like he, the guy won't die. He is yeah. not the best surfer on tour by any stretch of the imagination. It's his dogged persistence and consistency that kind of always has him requalifying. And so here's what's crazy. He qualified for this current season, 2019. Yeah. Yep. Before the season even started today, he's already requalified for 2020 based on the three QS events that he's done. You're kidding. No, he made, I think he won one or two and then he finaled in the other one or two. So he's accumulated enough points to where normal, normally the cut line is like where Jack Freestone qualified in 2018 for 2019. I think it was like 16,000 points or whatever. Jadson already has accumulated in those three QS events. So he's guaranteed to requalify for 2020, even if he gets last place on the 2019 championship. Guaranteed? Guaranteed. That's pretty cool. All, I mean, all but guaranteed, you know? Um, but here's what, so here's what's great about him. He shows up on the beach and he's cerebral. He's dancing. He's dancing down by the water before his heat and he needs to run down south to the other bank. And he's like, dancing in a full-on groove, no headphones on or anything, just completely in his own bubble space. He's praying, he's singing. You can see him looking up to the heavens, singing. Like he is just out <laughs> it's there. It's a renaissance, man. He is out there, dude. I love but, it. But could not give a F. Right. Like just doesn't care at all. Whatever pretense everybody else has where they're trying to look good in front of the chicks and the G-strings on right. the beach, he has none of that. He's just like got the spirit of the Lord in his heart. And he's just running around on the beach. And then goes out and freaking bangs out heats. That's cute. You know, like working man style. Totally. Just and brings it's his ugly. pail. And it's ugly. He's got like a baloney sandwich in that pail. <laughs> it is ugly, but he did eight turns. And you're like, well, can't argue with that. Or he did a huge blowout revert, like air three, six, whatever. Like yeah. you're just like, oh man, I just cannot argue with that. How did he do that? Heat after heat, no matter what the conditions are like. Will you ever put him on your fantasy team? By the way, Heck have no. you done fantasy? No. Are you doing it? I don't think so. That's interesting to me. That I'm not? I was going to send you a link to the league I'm in where we pay to do it and we get money and all that. Yeah. Are you into it? No. Okay. Um, well, the reason I ask is so you would never put Jet Jadson on your fantasy Heck team? Heck no. Dude, he's going to get smoked on the CT. How many? He does every year. How many? <laughs> How he many? does, but he kills it at these beach breaks in the six stars, you know, like he should just keep doing the six stars. I mean, he's really figured out a loophole in the system. Like he has terrible sponsors who knows what he gets paid, you know, not, not as much as if there's one guys. pro that lives out of his car, it's him. No, know? I think he's making enough money winning six stars. <laughs> oh yeah. Just... I don't know what the prize money is, but I mean, even at the, at the CT level, if you get last place, I think you're getting 8K. Are they going to institute a Jadson rule next year where it's like, look, if you qualify four years in a row, but don't advance out of round one on the CT, you're no longer a pro surfer. <laughs> Dude. Everyone loves Jadson, by the way. Well, like, because all of the these things that I'm talking are just about. like, he's the greatest human ever. And when you see him- He's do, all smiles. He's a good guy. He's all smiles. I he's want all positive. I would be stoked if he won the event. Which event? Any event. He won't. 
<laughs> how could he? How many, how many Brazilians would you have on your team if you did do it? And I'll tell you, because I'm doing it. At I, which event? This one. At this event, I would have, uh, how many do you get? Eight? Eight. I'd have four. I'd I have, have three. I'd have Gabriel, Felipe, Idolo. Couldn't do that, though. You'd be over, over budget. Well, now you're adding new ramifications. Yeah, you know how it is. I do. I just don't know the numbers. I yeah. definitely have Felipe. Okay, I've got Felipe, Idolo, and... Um, Idolo's not proven at snapper. Kyle Abelli. Kyle can make a strong return. His first event back. John John, Kanoa, Griffin, Seth Moniz, and Kelly Slater. <laughs> Kelly? Yeah. No, that's a bad pick. Should I put Jack Freestone in there? Yeah, Jack's a great pick. He's probably dirt cheap, right? Because he's so is Kelly, last that, place. So is Kelly. That's why I'm oh, kind of okay. like, I want to keep Kelly because I could replace Kyle Abelli with Jack Freestone. Yeah, that's a good move. <laughs> I hope it's not too late. I'm going to screw you. They started this thing. <laughs> I'm end up it's two o'clock right now. I'm going to end up screwing you. Um, Jack Freestone. I mean, Jack's on fire, dude. But he's constantly fails us as well. Oh my God. I hope they don't run. Are they running a heat right now? Because I'm changing my team based on what you said. Um, all right. Well, that's my Duke. My must see happy moment by presented by spy optics, by the way, spyoptic.com. use promo code podcast. We haven't, uh, talked about him much because we were gone throughout the month. I love my spy up March, but yeah, hook it up whenever anybody needs sunglasses or goggles, snow goggles for the mountain, you know, spy has supported the show since early days and you should support them support us by supporting them um but my musty moment I'm sorry I'm, I know. oh i can't add him damn it i don't have enough money jadson's three million yeah because he i'm going for kyle for 1.5 you're back on bro <laughs> um must see happy moment scott bass mikey wright in dust is this a new drop new edit drop yeah you haven't seen it no um what are your impressions on mikey wright I think he's great. I think he's a great surfer. Again, there's a lot of great free surfers, but at the end of the day, I want to see you show your salt under pressure against Gabe Medina. Good luck. Well, he did. He beat him at snapper last year. No, I'm talking about now, today. He's, he's on tour right now. Yeah, let's see what happens. Okay. Bring it. Yeah, well, he beat him last Bring year. Bring it. Or are you another Jack Freestone? Um, <laughs> here's no, here, I'm, here's I'm what fan. I love Look, about- I'm a fan of all good surfing, but I do believe, as we've mentioned many times, great, there's a million free surfers. I'm glad they're selling product for a bunch of people, but you don't got shit unless you got a world title. That's the bottom line. So Dane Reynolds doesn't have no. anything? No, he has Kyle no Lenny, world title. Kyle Lenny no. doesn't have anything? No, not oh a second. Oh my gosh, dude. Let's roll the tape from all the other no, no. times you've fawned no, over no. these people. But Kai, Kai has a lot. Kai oh, Lenny, I thought he has nothing. No. He but, doesn't have a world title. No, no, but he's never been on the CT. Never, you know what I mean? Like he's not a CT guy. By the way, he does have a bunch of world titles. They're just not CT world titles. Thank you. It's about time you got on the Kai Lenny bandwagon <laughs> with me. People have um, been calling you out on email. They have actually. Um, so Mikey Wright, here's what Mikey Wright adds to the tour, whether he beats Gabriel or not full throttle surfing. Like he's freaking foot pedal to the metal at all times and either going to do like the gnarliest blowout turn. That's going to blow the fins off like out of their boxes or a crazy, crazy air hail Mary. And that's what we need. I don't want the calculated thing. I think we need to actually throw 
you know, mud in the face or egg in the face of the calculated surfer. For every Jadson Andre that comes on and is going to try to do eight turns to the beach for the judges, we need him to be partnered or surfing against Mikey Wright, who's just looking at the end section, going as fast as possible, and then hitting the ramp and seeing where things go. So that's what I love about Mikey Wright. And he does a lot of it in Dust, which was produced by Stab and Quicksilver. So you can find it on Stab's website, all embedded actually on spitpodcast.com. Cool. Yeah. Um, did I tell you about the boardroom show? <laughs> you told me about the dinner. Okay. But people need to come attend. Well, the California Gold Surf Auction's happening. We've got incredible boards. In fact, you just carried in one of Kelly Slater's boards. And Pat Kearns, dude. It was a big day for me. Yeah, Pat Kearns board. We got some cool boards in the auction, CaliforniaGoldSurfAuction.com. And, of course, the boardroom show. Icons of Foam honoring Wayne Lynch. We've got eight shapers lined up going mono a mono for $1,000 plus. And um, it's going to be a big show this year. We're pretty damn excited about it. I met Shima Buttonshaw. Yeah. I did a little interview with him when I was out there. Yeah, cool kid. Really cool kid. Yeah. Super cool kid. Big fan. He'll be shaping. Yep. He shapes against, I think, Daniel Thompson. Oh, really? Yeah. Did a little Q&A with him, so too. Tomo or Tomo? I'm going to go Tomo. I think it is Tomo, but everyone says Tomo. Yeah, no. But his right. name's Thompson, so it's got to be Tomo. Right. Yeah, Tomo. Yeah. But I think here it's Tomo because we don't know how to do it. It's like aluminum. Yeah, we don't know anything. Tomato. Mm. All right, Scott. Hey, it's been a pleasure uh, catching up with you. Yeah. Until next time, adios and... Aloha. <laughs>